It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not kidding himself. Wow, do we have a lot to discuss today. I spent the weekend surrounded by thousands of members of the media, as well as a president who did finally manage to get through a speech without getting uh, interrupted by the Easter Bunny or shaking hands with invisible people. And uh, we will recap the White House correspondence Correspondence dinner with some help from Tyrus, uh, noted fashion critic, uh, Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, and your fine self. 888-788-9910. If you have any questions about the correspondence dinner, you want to comment on all the fine fashion I was sporting this weekend on the red carpet. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Oh, I look so good. We'll get into all of that and so much more. We've got some adult things to get to as well. But 888 788 9910, you know the deal on this show. You can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, just don't be a. Hey, man, uh, if you saw the posts on the Fox Across America Facebook page and you chimed in, thank you. Uh, I'm a little behind in getting back to everybody. If you did not see it, I basically gave you guys, I say all the time, you have the highest security clearance in the radio business. If I'm doing it, you know about it. I deal you in, I give you so much access because I really want you to know what it's like to be me because I think one of the most fascinating things about the success of this show is that Fox gave a regular person this really high-profile opportunity. It's almost like a sociological experiment. It's, much, it's, it's like half reality show, half radio show. Like, can the guy handle too much stimulation? Or is he going to, like, snap and freak out and start doing naked jumping jacks at the White House Correspondents' Dinner? You just don't know. You don't know. Uh, but we do know that the talk that you hear all the time about the media living in a bubble is absolutely, positively true. He knows what he's talking There's about. There's so much to get into, but that's the overarching takeaway from the weekend. I'll give you the gossip. I know you saw the pictures of me hanging out, you know, <laughs> at a private party with Jen Saki. Saki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. Yeah, apparently she hadn't heard any of the drops on our show. She was super duper friendly. Uh, I ran into Don Lemon, and Jake Tapper, Andrea Mitchell over at CNN. CNN is the worst. Again, I don't know that they were familiar with Lincoln's work, uh, but they were, you know, as friendly as could be. And I do want to make a point in, in directing your attention to the pictures I took with CNN people and other members of the media, because the whole hook of this show is that these guys aren't my enemy. And they're not your enemy either. Like, we might think differently than they do ideologically. But at the end of the day, we all play for the same American team. That's the point of the show. Don't hate these people because you disagree with them. You know, some of them I met, like Stelter, there are much better reasons to hate Brian Stelter than his politics. And we could do a whole show on that. But most of them are cool, you know. And again, it's like all the other people we talk about. We're like, ah, Fauci's driving me crazy. But for all you know, he might be good at parties. 
Maybe he does like a really good Christopher Walken or something. Does it De Niro? I don't know. Maybe maybe he's got like a, a really good Schwarzenegger <laughs> impersonation. Put that cookie down now. A lot of people think that's Arnold. That's actually Fauci. But the point is I'm not out there manifesting hate. I'm trying to be a force multiplier of positive energy. So I was actually thrilled to see everybody, no matter what network they happened to work on. I was thrilled to see them, uh, whether they liked me or they didn't. And a little bit later in the show, I will tell you about a hilarious interaction I had with a member of The View. The View is awful. Oh, and that opinion isn't about to change when you hear this story. But the big overarching takeaway, it was the coolest professional weekend of my life on a a multitude of levels, the first of which was just the experience. You know, when you go to an event like this, there's celebrities everywhere, and there are so many people lined up outside the hotel to get pictures of who might wind up in, you know, at the dinner. There are people hanging out in the elevator banks. There are people hanging out uh, in the parking garage on level two. There were people with cameras and notepads hanging out in the bathroom. What the hell did you just say? I'm not even kidding because they wanted to see who was going to walk in and be like, oh, I watch you on this and that. Can I get your autograph? Whatever. And, uh, you know, it's very funny to me because if you're like a big Fox News celebrity, if you're like Tucker Carlson, people are like, oh, my God, they cry like they're seeing the Beatles at Chase Stadium. But when people, rec- people recognize me, it's just like, hey, Jimmy Fallon, yo, you got change of a 20? It's just like I'm just one of them. So I you know, had a lot of interactions. It was an incredible experience. So thousands of people act, like identified themselves as people who listen to the show or people who watch me on TV. And I had the added benefit of like all of my friends, like my best friends in this business happen to be like the hottest women around. And they're really, really smart to boot. So everywhere I went this weekend, it was a big celebrity party. If it was an official White House event, I'm walking in with Emily, who, again, she's like my little sister. So I don't take any joy in compliments. Her, but she looks great and she's brilliant. I'm walking in with Kennedy, who is an icon and looked outrageously good. And then we had some cat Timp action. And, you know, cats a home run everywhere you take her. And I think most people either knew who I was and was like, wow, that's what a badass Jimmy Fallon is. And I think everybody else was just like, well, he clearly has a lot of cocaine and sells it to these supermodels. But it was a fun experience all around. But the big takeaway, the big takeaway is the media bubble. We always say this. You hear it a lot. You know, like the media was so shocked by the results of the 2016 election because they never bothered to talk to a regular person. You know, when you heard that so many times, it, it almost became like cliche. It almost became lazy to point it out. But I can tell you in sitting through that dinner, in sitting through every cocktail party, I went. It was really funny. But Fox has like a pregame party where you're hanging out with other Fox talent and Fox super fans and stuff like that. But so does Bloomberg and CNN and MSNBC and everything else. And uh, I met a lot of people on the way to the Fox event and wound up at several other events. And the only thing you hear over and over and over again are members of the media congratulating themselves on the incredible work they're doing. They're crazy. They're flat out insane. Okay, the media has just gone through what for anybody with self-respect would consider the most shameful four years of their life. Understand, the media spent four years telling you Donald Trump was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin. It was on every network every day. Oh, there's collusion as far as the eye can see. He's going to take a perp walk out of the White House. Do you think Barron Trump will testify? I don't know. He's got volleyball and gym on Thursdays. He might not want to miss that. But I could see a world 
When we come back, we're Barron testify. I mean, every day for four years, this guy has taken a perp walk out of the White House. He's a crook. There's nothing but collusion. He's a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin, Dr. Evil. This is like an Austin Powers movie. You guys don't believe it. It's crazy. You shut your mouth, you bastard. Because the truth is it wasn't an Austin Powers movie. There was no collusion. It was a hoax bought and paid for by the Clinton campaign. The end of the Mueller probe was not an Austin Powers movie. It was Spaceballs. Do you remember in Spaceballs when he tells them to comb the desert and they finally get to the three dudes with the pick and they're like, we ain't found. They didn't find anything. Nothing. Zero zip zilch. But they applauded themselves for four years for the fine work they did in pushing that hoax. People won Pulitzer Prizes for pushing that hoax. They then got on stage this Saturday night. Joe Biden gave them a big pat on the back for protecting the importance of the First Amendment. Yo, this is the same week the White House just announced that they're forming a disinformation board to ban speech they don't like. Biden sucks. Well, that's why he's polling at 33% because people see through the charade of the whole thing. Okay, the media, okay, at that White House Correspondents' Dinner has a huge banner over the stage celebrating the First Amendment. Yo, these are the same people who buried the Hunter Biden story and your right to talk about it. Can't tweet it, can't Facebook it. You cannot share it on on social media. They were stifling free speech. They swung the outcome of the election in burying a story because we know looking back at the polling data, 15 percent of Biden voters say they would have changed their vote if they knew the Hunter Biden story. Talking about 13 million votes in an election decided by 50,000 votes. The Hunter Biden thing was a scam. But there they were straight up, straight up applauding themselves for protecting free speech. Yo, this would be like the organizers of like Mardi Gras applauding themselves for protecting uh, sobriety. Not that we're doing such a good job down here in Mardi Gras. Everybody's, you know, protecting sobriety. Everybody's a model citizen. (laughs) As people are literally like falling off footbridges because they're so hammered they can't stand up straight. But they really do live in that bubble, and it crystallizes a point I made on the Tucker Carlson show last week. Okay, we're living, we're living in the death of shame, the death of shame. People are willing to go in front of a TV camera. People are willing to get in front of a radio microphone and say anything, suffer any indignity of truth or consequence if it helps advance their cause. The cause right now is that the White House and the media are righteous and just, and they're trying to protect you. They're trying to protect you by taking away some of your free speech rights. Come on, don't bullshit me. That's no, no. We're just we're looking out for you. We don't want you tweeting or saying anything. Uh, you know, because it's, it's getting people killed. Do you remember that time we threw you off social media because you were tweeting that COVID originated in a Wuhan lab, and we threw it off because that was disinformation? But then we allowed you back on six months later when it turned out to be true. Remember the time we kicked you off social media because you said vaccinated people could get and spread COVID, and we threw you off because it was disinformation, only to let you back on because it turned out to be true? Remember the time we threw you off because of Hunter Biden, only to let you back on because it turned out to be true? Whenever the media tells you, whenever the White House tells you that they are fighting disinformation, that's how they're actually spreading their disinformation. I agree with that. Straight up. No, no, we're just looking out. Get out the disinformation out there. And then they proceed to spread disinformation. And that was my overarching takeaway. If you want to get into the people, um, Jen Psaki was really sweet. She was really nice. Even Don Lemon was nice. 
You know, Don Lemon was there. Stelter was there. Um, Jay Tapper was there. And, they, you know, they were all applauding each other on a job well done. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. It was a mess. Uh, but all in all, and I said this on America's Newsroom earlier, it is the world's best dressed group therapy session. It's a bunch of nerds who get together in their prom outfits and reassure each other over the fine job they're doing. Understand the media is polling below. They are polling below Joe Biden. That can't be good. No, because Joe Biden is polling below ISIS at this point. I think the Taliban is within the margin of error on Joe Biden right now. Guys, guys are 33%. And we're going to get into this joke by joke. I'm going to take you through Biden's routine. I'm going to take you through Trevor Noah's routine uh, and every other experience I had, because, again, you do have the highest security clearance in the administration and going to one of these as an outsider. OK, understand, you know, I was, I was driving a taxi like you don't get a lot of cab drivers inside the White House Correspondents Dinner. You got a lot of them outside, like waiting to take people home at the end of the night when they're hammered. But to have one of us inside, I did a lot of recon and I got a lot of stories to tell. And we're going to have a big grown up uh, conversation about all of them, because the thing about the media, okay, has such dire consequences for you in terms of how they shape narratives and how they reinforce and reward and reward the nefarious stuff they do. Like they were talking Saturday night in reverential tones about their work on the Mueller probe. The Mueller probe, which turned out to be embarrassingly false. They were still there applauding themselves. And I know you don't take them seriously. I don't take them seriously. But there are consequences to this type of behavior and this lack of accountability. And thankfully, we're getting to a place where they are, in fact, so deluded, so deluded, that there is a sea change taking shape and that over the course of the last three years, okay, we got the bill for everything they did wrong. Defund the police, they said. And what happened? The murder rate spiked 32% in our society. People died as a result of the media's rhetorical war on cops. Okay, they cheered on lockdowns. What happened? We had other health offshoots. We had people get higher levels of substance abuse, domestic abuse, chemical abuse, suicide, incidents of self-harm. Shut down the schools. They cheered that on too. And what happened? We did a ton of social and emotional harm to kids, not to mention the fact that they lost up to two years of academic gains. I love the poorly educated. Well, there's plenty of them out there right now. But for the better part of the last four years, the media malfeasance has really, really, really harmed you in terms of the toxic effect it's had on society. But what I saw on Saturday night, I mean, and there is no doubt in my mind that we are at fully at the point where they are so far gone. There's no one left for them to harm but themselves. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Program and alert. I'll be rocking the K-Train later tonight. Me and Kennedy will be on live television recapping our experiences at the Correspondents' Dinner. If you did not see uh, the America Newsroom recap with Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino, it's on the Fox Across America page uh, right now, which is always a great way to get our podcast, too, if you miss a portion of the live show. But right now, uh, we're doing it you and me style. This is not me briefing America's Newsroom. This is not me yucking it up with Kennedy on the set of a TV show. This is you and me in our little radio nuthouse going through this thing line by line. Biden, uh, I want to give him credit. He got through a speech... I mean, 10 o'clock at night, 
which is an hour when Joe Biden is normally waking up to pee in the middle of the night. Come on, man. Okay, but he did get through the speech after, and a pretty high-profile speech at that, after a tumultuous couple of weeks where you remember the Easter Bunny cutting him off at the egg roll, the moment where he shook hands with the invisible person. Of course, last week he couldn't pronounce the word kleptocracy after five tries. We have a president that is clearly not all there. But I don't want to talk about his faculties. I just want to talk about the lying problem. Here he is ripping Fox News. This joke is a total falsehood. Clip six. Tonight, we come here to answer a very important question in everybody's mind. Why in the hell are we still doing this? <laughs> I know there are I know there are questions about whether we should gather here tonight because of COVID. Well, we're here to show the country that we're getting through this pandemic. Plus, everyone had to prove they were fully vaccinated and boosted. So if you're at home watching this and you're wondering how to do that, just contact your favorite Fox News reporter. They're all here, vaccinated and boosted, all of them. Look, Fox News, I'm, I'm really sorry your preferred candidate lost the last election. To make it up to you, I'm happy to give my chief of staff to you all so he can tell Sean Hannity what to say every day. You told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. A couple of quick things really quick. We did not have to be vaccinated and boosted. We did not have to be vaccinated and boosted to get into that party. Correct the mundo. We needed a negative COVID test to get into that party. Uh, we did need proof of vaccination. Uh, but he's lying when he says vaccine boosted, number one. But the real fool's errand to that joke is that he's piggybacking off a Democratic lie about Fox News in that they've tried to convince people that Fox News is anti-vax, that Fox News is on the air telling people not to get vaccinated. That's been their straw man argument since word one when it comes to the vaccines. There's nobody on the air at Fox saying don't get vaccinated. You don't have a single solitary clip of it. Democrats are so full of crap. And a lot of people see through it. But in that kumbaya moment, in that group therapy session slash circle jerk, if we're being honest, okay, All of the partisan fire is trained at Fox. And the funniest thing about it for us is, you understand, we're the minority group there in terms of media presence. Everything in the room is liberal. Everything in the room is liberal. But then there's the visiting team, which is Fox News, showing up with the smallest delegation, but having the highest ratings by far. Fox News is like Estonia showing up to the Olympics and winning all the gold medals. That's who we are, okay? Smaller delegation, higher ratings, and it's not even close. And we'll explain why we're about to widen that margin when we come back. Reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And now, great moments in presidential history. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to 
Anyway. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Another stellar moment out of your president, Joe Biden. Biden's lost his marbles. I don't know that he ever had them, but I want you to understand this. When I'm sitting at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, okay, in a fine, just a fine tuxedo jacket. <laughs> oh, stop it. So many tough critics on this show. I stand by the purchase. It was a fine jacket. Everybody there liked it. I got a million. Pat Sajak came up to me. Pat Sajak. And he didn't want to buy a vowel. He wanted to buy a jacket. He came up to me. He's like, hey, Jimmy, I got to talk to you about your jackets. I love your jackets, man. We were at a party in D.C. And uh, we talked fashion. So take that, Gutfeld. I'll be back on Gutfeld soon. Not this week. I got to go to the Tampa Improv. But myself and our lovable comedy dwarf will be uh, getting the band back together next week. But stick with me. Okay, when I'm sitting at the White House Correspondents Dinner, whether I'm watching Biden's routine, whether I'm watching Trevor Noah's routine, you understand um, I've written a lot of comedy specifically for events like this. I used to be the head writer for a TV show called Gotham Comedy Live, and my job every week would be to take the celebrity host who was, in fact, not a comedian and turn them into a comedian. I'd have a week to work with them one-on-one and coach them through a joke routine I had written for them and get them to perform them perfectly. Best person I ever worked with, by far the most brilliant performer, easiest dude I've ever worked with, uh, William Shatner from Star Trek. Uh, he called me uh, to recruit me for the gig because I was away with Jenny for our 10th wedding anniversary. I was drunk on a rooftop bar, the Forum Bar, by the Roman Coliseum. It's the only time I left the country. I treated Jenny right. Uh, we actually went to Epcot. But uh, I told her it was over in Europe. I'm kidding. You stop it right now. I'm just being silly. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. But Shatner called me up and he was like, uh, Jimmy, this is William Shatner, Captain Kirk. We've got a problem on the Star Trek Enterprise back here in America. We need you to come home. And I was like, all right, sir, I'm hammered <laughs> on the other side of the world. <laughs> but this really does sound convincing. Like he said a lot of the right names who were EP in the show at the time. And I got on a plane and flew home and wrote William Shatner a joke monologue, one of the highlights of my life. Uh, he was just the coolest of the cool. But I work with all kinds of people like on that level, you know, Pamela Anderson, you know, David Hasselhoff, Mike Tyson, really cool people that you got to write jokes for and see them execute them. So when I'm watching the White House Correspondents Dinner, I am watching specifically from the mindset of a guy who knows how to build one of these and fine-tune them so they go over in front of a broad, broad audience. Not an easy thing to do because there are a lot of sensibilities out there in the world. What makes the White House Correspondents Dinner a lot easier is there's only one sensibility, and it's overwhelmingly liberal. Bingo. So to that point, Joe Biden had a pretty easy time getting by. The only issue he ran into, the only issue, was his opening joke. When he said, ah, it's so good to be here with the only people that are polling worse than I am. And it was hilarious because he's telling the truth. And I laughed, but a lot of the media was like, ha, ha, ho, ho, you watch it there, mister. What do you mean we're not doing good? Because, again, it is a kumbaya therapy session. We're the best. We're doing so good. Everybody trusts us. I'm telling you, there's nothing funnier, nothing funnier. Then going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner as a Fox News guy. We are the most punk rock badass people on the planet. Because everybody there is liberal, liberal, liberal. Trump's the worst. Fox News is the devil. How can anybody watch these people? And then we walk in and we're the best looking crowd and we get all the media attention. And oh, by the way, we have the highest ratings. So there you go. (laughs) So it's such a badass thing. Like when we walked in, I wish they were playing John Facenda. 
from NFL films, The Autumn Wind. You know when he talks about the Oakland Raiders in the 70s? The Autumn Wind is a Raider. <laughs> like that whole thing. <laughs> like you could see our breath coming out of our mouths is like Emily Campagno took a ship of champagne. Uh, and let's be clear, there was more than one sip. You know how Emerald is on this show. But it was really badass. But The Room, and in terms of a comedy target, you're shooting at a very specific target. So for all intents and purposes, it's a pretty easy gig for Biden. Okay, but he still managed in his own Biden-esque way to screw things up by throwing a couple of jokes our way that were just patently false. Okay, here's one about, you know, the Republican Party and the difference between Reagan and the difference between now. Here it is, clip eight. They say that's not your father's Republican Party. Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. Today's Republicans say, tear down Mickey Mouse's house. And pretty soon they'll be storming Cinderella's castle, you can be sure of it. <laughs> well, Republicans <laughs> seem to support one fellow, some guy named Brandon. He's having a really good year, and I'm kind of happy for him. So there you go. Let's go, Brandon! Uh, he's When he says, you know, this isn't your father's Republican Party. They want to tear down Mickey Mouse's house. You know, they're going again. It's based on a falsehood like his his joke about everyone at Fox News being vaccinated and boosted and that being mandatory. It's just patently not true. We don't have to be vaccinated and boosted. Um, There was a patent falsehood, but the media has been yelling for a year and a half that Fox is anti-vax. And so he was piggybacking off of the sensibility in the room that, oh, we all know Fox is anti-vax. That's what they're doing. Okay, no differently than, oh, they all want to go after Mickey Mouse's house. No, we don't. Okay, we've been telling Mickey, we've been telling Disney not to poke their nose into this Florida bill. Because if you look at the parental reaction, 62% of parents support Ron DeSantis in banning sexual uh, sex ed and sexual identity training to kindergartners. Ron DeSantis was right to ban the teaching that there is no biological difference between a little boy and a little girl. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. It's pretty straightforward. But the idea that they want to, you know, introduce gender conflict into the lives of kindergartners gives us just cause to rightfully criticize Disney World. But we don't want to tear Disney World down. We're not the cancel crowd. We're not the chase you out of the restaurant crowd. We are the free speech, do what you want crowd, ultimately. We're not launching censorship boards. We're not banning stories that are inconvenient for us. We're confident in our marketplace of ideas, or at least our ability to compete in a marketplace of ideas. That's why the Democrats are so upset about Elon Musk buying Twitter. You know, for a bunch of people who claim that Twitter doesn't favor their ideology, they seem really, really upset about the idea that Twitter is changing hands. I think he's got a point. Dude, I read you the stat last week. 99.4%, percent of all political donations made out of Twitter went to the Democratic Party. Think about that. 99.4%. So, you know, try telling me with a straight face they weren't favoring the Democrats. We all know they were. That's why they're so apoplectic about the idea of Twitter changing hands. But what Biden is piggybacking off of there is the perception that Republicans are, you know, anti-Disney, anti-trans. We're not any of those things. We just want to shield kids at their most vulnerable age in their development. That's all we're saying. We don't want to tear down Mickey Mouse's house. We just don't want to fly down to Florida and wait two hours in line to go on Snow White and the Seven Genders. That's all.
We don't want to use a fast pass to go on Peter Pansexual. We just want to ride the regular rides and keep the politics out of it because Disney was supposed to be a source of escapism. It's supposed to be the happiest place on Earth. Maybe that's why Elon Musk is exploring space travel as aggressively as he is. Because if Disney is the happiest place on Earth, it really is time to start checking out other planets. Let me give you some Biden, okay? Because I enjoyed some of this. I, I don't want to sit here and tell you. Uh, that Biden is, you know, screw him. Again, I'm not in the, you know, I'm not running an anger distillery. Here's Biden taking a shot at Kevin McCarthy, which I thought was funny, clip seven. And folks, I'm not really here to roast the GOP. That's not my style. Besides, there's nothing I can say about the GOP that Kevin McCarthy hasn't already put on tape. (laughs) There you go. And let's be very clear. Okay, Kevin McCarthy did some dirtbag stuff in the aftermath of January 6th, kind of played it both ways. I don't like the idea of anybody recording anybody without their knowledge thereof. But again, it really speaks to the political realities of Washington. And I've told you this since day one. The reason I don't come on the air and try to make you vote for a political party is because that's not my job. I'm a talk show host. Okay, I'm not trying to get you on a side. Like, my side is America. I think the country would be exponentially better off if we got back to a place where people were rooting for their country harder than they were rooting for their party. That's the America I grew up in. I was surrounded by Republicans, lived in Nassau County on Long Island. But the running joke was like, oh, I'm a Republican, my buddy's a Democrat. But at the end of the day, these people are only in it for themselves. I mean, that was always the running joke, and it's still the case. But rather than acknowledging that truth, our politics have become so competitive and so hyperpartisan that people now stop being friends over this. They're like, screw you. I'm going with these people who only care about themselves. I can't believe you're so dumb as to go with those people who only care about themselves. What kind of an idiot are you? I mean, that's what's going on right now in our country. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know. But what you're going to notice here is I'll play you some Trevor Noah. I'll play you some Biden. Okay, the jokes that do good are aimed at Republicans. The jokes that do really bad aimed at the media. Listen to Trevor Noah talking about CNN+. Plus. There's so much happening in the world right now. Sometimes it can be overwhelming, and you just want to tune it all out. And that's why I love watching CNN. Where's Jeff Zucker, by the way? Also couldn't make it? What's, what's happening over there? Apparently, Jeff got fired after he tried to keep his workplace relationship a secret, which is weird, because if he really didn't want anyone to know about it, he could have just made a show about it on CNN+. I am not here to I know, tear I know, anybody so down, CNN okay? Plus, gone, yeah. but forgotten. You know who I blame? You know who I blame, CNN? I blame John King. That's who. Yeah, John. Your magic wall can predict how every person in the country is going to vote in every county, but it couldn't give you a heads up that nobody wanted more CNN? Wow. You see how in the room the reaction to that is kind of like, oh, (laughs) it's not like, woo, like he went after Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I'll give you a reaction. You know, I'll, I'll play you some of Biden going after Trump, too, and they go crazy for it, but they can't laugh at themselves. They, I, I really I cannot emphasize this enough. These people, they really think they're saving the world. I talked to all of them. I talked to Stelter. I talked to Don Lemon. I told you I talked to Jen Psaki. Um, everybody. And, and over the, the one common denominator is they think they're great at this. And understand, okay, the media really is polling behind Joe Biden. And he pointed this out, and they didn't like that one either. Here it is, clip one. Thank you, Steve, for that introduction. And a special thanks to the 42% of you actually applauded. 
I'm really excited to be here tonight with the only group of Americans with a lower approval rating than I have. You hear the, ah, they were like, shut up, fool. They went straight, they went straight, Mr. T. <laughs> the people in charge of our culture are emotionally stunted and weird. Tell them, Tucker, because they are. That's the thing. I'll give you an example. Okay. Late night comedy. Why is Gutfeld just kicking every ass up and down and sideways? I mean, the easy answer is he has really good guests like me. But to stay focused, okay, the reason Greg is so much better than they are is because he doesn't take himself seriously. He's making fun of himself. He's trying to make fun of me and Tyrus and Kat and the other guests. We're making fun of each other. Comedy is not supposed to be like this alpha intellectual thing. Comedy is supposed to be a place where you point out universal truths about a subject matter we all share some basic knowledge of and giving anybody in the room the opportunity to laugh at that shared truth, that shared human experience we call life. But the reason the left is having such a hard time being funny, the reason they're having such a hard time in the culture war is because – They do the opposite of what we do on this show. I say every day, we take the issue seriously. We don't take ourselves seriously at all. Okay, the media takes themselves very, very seriously. I mean this. If the media was running the Titanic, they would have had a victory celebration on April the 13th, 1912. After everybody made it to shore on the lifeboats, they would have been like, man, we did a good job on that cruise. I'll tell you. You try the entrees Tuesday night, they were pretty good pork chops. I'm not going to lie. And a pretty smooth lifeboat ride. It was uh, smoother than I thought it would be. I mean, the the ropes were a little rickety on the way down. But, you know, the combination of that and the orchestra playing until the wave hit them and drowned them. It was a really nice experience for me and the family. I wish the rest of them were alive to hear about it. I mean, that's who the media is. Uh, And they keep talking about, you know, we need censorship. We need regulation. We don't need any of that. You know what we need? We need a mirror. We need a mirror for these people to look at because they're out of their minds. And it was so fascinating to be on the inside of that bubble. But understand, yo, it's a bubble. Like they spoke at length about how important their work is. Again, they've killed more stories than they've reported. Think about that. We're celebrating the First Amendment tonight, said the people cheering on the White House for limiting your speech rights. It was bananas. But I sat there and I watched it, and Biden gave a big lecture at the end. He said, you know, politics is not a reality show. And apparently that resonated with Brian Stelter because Stelter, after talking to me and Emily Campagno at a bar (laughs) for a little while Friday night, got on the air Saturday and had a moment of self-reflection. I'm going to share it with you when we come back after this on Fox Across America. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Looking for a great deal on some barely used office furniture? Come on down to CNN Minus, where the prices are harder to believe than our reporting. You know what? I don't want to call it an alternative reality anymore because it is not reality. There's nothing real about this. CNN streaming service went out of business after 27 days. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. 
And with 300 million flush completely down the toilet, we're slashing prices and jobs. It's the result of a poisonous stew of social alienation, negative partisanship, severe distrust of news sources. CNN minus, where the only thing lower than the prices are the ratings. And I'm sure there are other factors as well. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Yes, CNN Plus has become a punchline. It's like the term Munson in the movie Kingpin. Do you remember when uh, Woody Harrelson's character becomes like an afterthought culturally? What happened? Oh, my car, it munson on me. And he's like, wait, what? Roy Munson. Well, here is Brian Stelter. CNN Plus has Munsoned. Uh, but he was wondering if the media has become a reality show. This is clip nine. Now, to me, it felt different than in past years, pre-COVID, pre-Trump even. To me, it felt like the, the, this was President Biden trying to talk about democracy versus autocracy, which is, David, one of his favorite themes. It is. It's, it's from the time he announced his candidacy, he's been saying that, and it's one of his keenest insights. And people kind of ignored it. Now we see what's going on. Um, I think he really did uh, uh, with the, the key phrase was, that you just had up there. Democracy is not a reality show. That's what that's what's wrong with the culture. But don't we, we treat it like that? Is aren't we part of the problem? Uh, I try not to, and I think you try not to on this show. A lot of us do, but a lot of people don't. Mm. That's the problem. Okay. That's the other problem with yeah. it. I'm surrounded by idiots. Yo, get on Stelter for at least asking himself if they in fact treat it like a reality show, because of course they do. Yeah, they told you every day with no proof that Trump was going to jail because he colluded with Russia. And we've seen this chapter in verse. He's slandering veterans. So many lie after lie after lie. Why? Because they were trying to juice ratings. And it did work for a little while. But I'm going to be honest, uh, the ratings at CNN these days aren't exactly setting records uh, unless you count their bar tab, which is pretty high given all they've been through. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go, here we go. Comedy Alive from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we often do from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Fired up! Got a big hour coming your way. Mark Burnovich, he is the Arizona Attorney General and a little bit of a fashion critic. He was texting me after every one of my TV hits this weekend with something to say. Uh, Burnovich, very opinionated about my uh, red carpet uh, attire. And we will get into that as well as the Biden administration's decision to repeal Title 42, the last restriction at our southern border at a time when we are setting record levels of fentanyl overdose deaths and record levels of illegal migration into the country, the Biden administration has just rescinded the last border protection we had in place. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Really is. 888-788-9910 if you want to chime in a little bit later on. But uh, if you're just joining us, we've been recapping my experience at the White House Correspondents' Dinner this weekend. And uh, it really was fascinating to be inside that media bubble and seeing not only how they function and what they think of themselves, but just how cozy the relationship is between this administration and the media. So Saturday night, excuse me, Friday night, Friday night, I'm at a big party down by the water and I got my crew, you know, Emily Campagno's there looking right. Kennedy's in the house. You know, it's a big deal. Everybody knows her. You know, we're fired up and we run into Ben Dominich, who, you know, I love. 
and uh, his crazy sister, Emily Dominich, who I absolutely love. She's just the co- as cool as they come. And uh, we're just kind of hanging out, just chumming it up, yucking it up, talking about, you know, the news and politics. And really, in this instance, it was a party more than anything. We weren't really there talking issues per se. You know, we were talking about the night that was. Well, in any event, I was in a corner room at one point with Emily. And anywhere we go, we kind of do draw a little bit of a crowd because people know you from TV. And they're like, hey, you're the dumb guy on Fox. There you go. <laughs> you know, what is she hanging out with you for? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, she's friends with my, life, my wife. They think I'm an idiot. But, you know, they're here anyway. So the point is, is we're in this corner. It gradually becomes a CNN corner. Like Jay Tapper is there. Andrea Mitchell's there. Don Lemon's there. They're all there. Brian Stelter's there. It's fascinating. Jen Psaki walks in and starts chumming it up with those guys. And then, and then, and this really is disconcerting and a really bad sign for our country. But Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas literally waited like 10th in line and completely fangirled to meet Don Lemon. What the hell did you just say? I'm not making this up. Mayorkas was in a room and met Don Lemon and was over the moon about meeting Don Lemon. This is ridiculous. I mean, really. And I want to be clear. I met Don Lemon. He was nice. I'm not here to cast aspersions on the guy personally. I don't know him. I do not sell hate. I hate a lot of what he does on the air. I think it's cheap. I think it's so intellectually lazy. I think as, you know, race-baiting idiots go, I put Don Lemon's broadcast persona at a nine on a scale of one to Joy Reid. Joy Reid is a race-baiting loser. Almost as bad as Anna Navarro, and we'll get to her too. But Mayorkas, the guy who's in charge of securing the border, is there freaking out so he can meet a guy who goes on TV and tells you that policing the border is racist. That's a bad sign. It's a really bad sign for our border. When the guy that's supposed to be securing it is huddling up with the guy who's telling us it should be wide open or we're a bunch of racists. And understand, the people on the other side of border security are idiots. When you talk about disinformation and getting people killed, the people telling you the border, okay, should be treated the way the Biden administration is treating it, okay, are getting people killed. How can I make that audacious claim? Come on, you right-wing shock jock, bomb-throwing jackass. How are you going to go out and say that? I'm going to say that. Because the record levels of fentanyl that have come across our border, our unsecured border, have led to a record level of poisoning deaths. Not overdoses. Overdoses is guy, you know, was doing drugs all night long and eventually caught up to them. These are poisonings. People are doing recreational amounts of drugs that you should otherwise live through and dropping dead. And this is happening because the cartels are getting right into the border. The border is easier to get into right now than a Kardashian's pants. Okay, it's a bad situation, and they're flooding the border with fentanyl, and it's a humanitarian crisis. As you know, 40% of the women who cross our border illegally get sexually assaulted. Okay, the human trafficking situation is so dire that dating back three administrations, okay, we've had a policy of family separation in place at the border. Didn't start under Trump. Didn't start under Barack Obama. Although, let's be honest, for all of his criticisms about Donald Trump and his border policies, Barack Obama was doing the exact same thing. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. Okay, they all enacted family separation at the border. Now, the reason they enacted family separation is because nine times out of ten, they weren't actually a family. Oh, oh, whoa! 
people know their asylum cases have a higher chance of being granted if they're accompanied by a minor. So cartels, human traffickers, coyotes, they bring children with them as a means of getting into the country easier. The reason they get separated at the border is so our border police can ascertain that this child is with someone they should, in fact, be traveling with. Because oftentimes is the case that they aren't. But when the Democrats were trying to score political points against Trump, they were like, oh, he's separating families like he's tearing them apart. and They're never going to be seen again. And we live in an era where people's emotions are their facts. So if you really believed Donald Trump was tearing families apart, never to be seen again, you'd rightfully emotionally be pretty amped up in a negative and hostile way. And that's what people like Don Lemon do. That's the toxic effect they have on society. So when you see Mayorkas fangirling over Don Lemon, you realize it's a really bad situation for the border. This could be a problem. It already is. But let me give you some Mayorkas because he testified on Friday, claimed with a straight face, the border is not open. It's clip 10. You as the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security don't have an opinion on whether Title 42 should or should not be in place? I I do not because I'm not a public health expert, Mm. but it's my responsibility to plan and execute as it is in place and plan, prepare, and execute for the day when it won't be. Mm. Our border is not open. What happens now is individuals are either expelled under the Title 42 authority or they are placed in immigration enforcement proceedings and they are removed if they do not have a valid claim under our law to remain. And so the border is not open. You are lying your ass off. Yo, we have taken in, taken in more people, more people. The most we've processed at the border since 1960, the most that have been admitted ever. That's the actual statistic ever under the Biden administration. Title 42, which is a COVID era restriction. Okay, that being rescinded will give our border agents less latitude when it comes to denying people entry into this country. Okay, he's lying when he says the border's not open. Okay, people are streaming in in record numbers, so much so that the Biden administration is flying, flying migrants to other communities in the middle of the night. Do you understand? He was asked about that. Here it is. He was asked about the migrant releases into the country. Here's clip 12. The release doesn't mean just let go into the United States. It means if we do not detain individuals, they're placed on alternatives to detention, and they are in immigration enforcement proceedings. And if they do not appear for their immigration enforcement proceedings, they are a priority for enforcement action. You're alive! Okay, they're a priority for enforcement action. But are they throwing anybody out? The answer would be no. No, they're letting him into the country. And I want to be very clear. I have a lot of empathy for people who are migrating to this country illegally. I do. I want them to come legally. And the reason the Democrats are down nearly 30 points with Latino voters is a lot of Latino voters feel the same way. If you came to this country legally, you want everybody else to do what you did, which is buy in, contribute, pay taxes, be a part of the culture, be an American. Awesome. Welcome. That's what the country was built on. We don't not want anybody here. We want everybody here who wants to be here and contribute and be a part of the society. But you understand that when it comes to the people coming into the country, okay, people who are, in fact, fleeing real oppression, not the fake stuff we talk about here in the media, like food insecurity, cartel violence, okay, they're in a bad situation. If you're willing to walk a thousand miles, 
okay, you're not doing it for the day trip. You didn't, like, just get a Fitbit for Christmas and you want to get a few steps in, okay? You're trying to make a better life for your family. I empathize with that. I empathize with people who are, in fact, in some instances, traveling with drug cartels and human traffickers. Again, how dire must conditions be that you're willing to roll those dice? And here's another caveat to add to that. How much better must life in America be than anywhere else in the world that all over the world people are taking these types of risks to get here? That's the running joke is the Democrats want you to think this is a big oppressive hellhole, but everybody who doesn't live here wants to. So are we as bad as they want you to believe? Of course not. But when Mayorkas says, oh, we release people into the country, but it doesn't mean they're free. Yes, it does. Okay, 92 percent of people do not show up to their asylum hearings. That's the number, 92 percent. The White House, if you remember, told us two weeks ago that, oh, we're going to start giving them cell phones. They're going to get cell phones for coming into the country illegally. But that way, you know, if they don't show up to their hearing, we can call them. (laughs) We can call them and say a bunch of bad things. Yo, they're not deporting nonviolent offenders, period, under any circumstance. And when Donald Trump was doing that, they told you it was racist. How are you just going to deport somebody? They didn't do nothing wrong. But again, it's not sustainable to just let anybody in who wants to come in. I have empathy. There's nuance to this story. But the idea that Mayorkas is telling you the truth when he says people aren't just let into the country. Yes, they are. We don't have the means to go deport people. They're not deporting violent criminals, let alone nonviolent criminals. Okay, so they're absolutely letting them into the country. And understand, okay, what the Democrats try to do as a workaround is they reduce this. They reduce this to some type of hatred. Here is uh, Premier Jayapal, okay, on MSNBC, saying this is all racism and xenophobia. It's clip 13. I was an immigrant rights activist for 20 years before coming to Congress, and I have consistently seen these, you know, xenophobic attacks by immigrants, by Republicans on immigrants. The Republicans have no interest in fixing the broken immigration system, which is actually the issue that we need to address if we want to have an orderly process. What happened when Trump put in place Title 42, it is a public health law that never should have been put in place because it actually has to do with the introduction of a communicable disease. And at the time that it was put into place, COVID was already here. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. But I want to hold on to the last thing. Not the idea of racism and xenophobia. Like at this point, it's lazy to, to, you know, to point out the fact that all they do is call anyone who disagrees with them a racist, okay? We know that. That's the playbook. It's the only play they have in the huddle. It's like if you ever played a little kid in Madden who has one trick play, like for whatever reason he knows how to call fake punt and he can get a 28-yard gain every time, like literally first down, he's calling fake punt. You're like, what are you doing? It's like their glitch play. Racism was a glitch play for the Democrats for the better part of four years. If somebody didn't agree with them, if they didn't like it, they'd call it racist, it would go away. Okay, the glitch play doesn't work anymore. People want answers because the country's out of control. The border's being overrun. Inflation's at a 40-year high. People can't afford a gallon of gas without turning tricks behind the gas station. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. It's bad. Okay, but here's the note. Here's the real note. Okay, she said the words, Title 42 is a public health law that never should have been put in place because it actually has to do with the induction of communicable disease. And at the time it was put into place... COVID was already here. What an idiot. So are you to tell me that there was no sense in starting COVID restrictions after COVID already got here? Because I got to be honest with you. 
We enacted a lot of COVID restrictions after COVID actually got here at least for the legal citizens of this country. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. Because what is she really saying here? Okay, at a time when you got to wear a mask, you got to get a vaccine, your kid can't go to school, you can't go to church. She's saying it was wrong to take a public health approach to the border. Well, COVID was already here, so why not have more of it? What's the big difference if they bring it? It's coming either way. Really? If there's no difference... Why the hell do we have a single solitary restriction? Yo, when there's a double standard, there's no standard. Do you understand? The reason people don't buy into public health initiatives is because they don't buy into the people pushing them. You can't tell me that COVID matters if I have it, but it doesn't matter if an illegal immigrant has it. You can't tell me you have to wear a mask on a plane and be vaccinated to go to work, but it doesn't matter if an illegal immigrant is masked and vaccinated when they show up to the country. What do you mean? Okay, a pandemic is a fire. It spreads. It engulfs more people. It engulfs more victims. There aren't, like, some rooms of the house you'll put out and other rooms of the house you'll let burn. If there's a fire, you put out the whole damn thing. But that's why in this moment, the only thing really going up in flames is the credibility of this administration. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're getting ready to talk to Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich about the problem down at the border. Secretary Mayorkas, when he wasn't kissing Don Lemon's ass at a Hollywood party a Friday night in D.C., uh, he was taking a lot of heat from my man Jim Jordan uh, under oath on Capitol Hill. Here it is, clip 31. We have a Secretary of Homeland Security who is intentionally, deliberately, in a premeditated fashion, executing a plan, his words, executing a plan to overwhelm our country with millions and millions of illegal migrants. Executing a plan that causes all kinds of harm to people who make the journey. Executing a plan that results in record levels of fentanyl and other drugs entering our nation. Executing a plan that stresses our border agents, stresses our education and health care system, stresses our nation. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It ain't good. Uh, Clay Higgins, representative from Louisiana, flat out told Mayorkas to resign. Here it is. It's clip 32. My God, man, on the moment, you've been called upon to resign by myself and others. Next year, if we have the majority in this committee, which we shall, you're still in office, you'll face impeachment. I ask you as a man, own this thing. We're losing our country down there. I couldn't disagree with you more. Get him out of here. He's terrible, flat out terrible. But there he is with a straw. I couldn't disagree with you more. Yo, the the numbers are the numbers. You know, Bill Parcells, former Giants coach who coached our team when we actually won games. uh, He used to say you are what your record says you are. Okay, if you're two and five, you're a two and five team. I don't want to hear that you looked good in practice. You're a two and five team. You are what your record says you are. And when it comes to the border, Biden's record says 
he is presiding over the most porous border in the history of our country. Tell them like it is. Okay, a border that has killed a record number of Americans. And again, they keep treating this like a Republican issue. But it ain't a Republican issue. It's not fentanyl isn't only killing Republicans. It's killing over 120,000 Americans last year. And we don't know how any of them voted. And you know what? Neither does the fentanyl. That's the ridiculousness of right now, is that they're telling you with a straight face, oh, the border's secure. That's them putting perception over reality for their own political good. But when it comes to the good of the country, they really are failing everybody, regardless of how they vote. We're going to talk about it with Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, who joins us on the line when we come back right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. It's the morning show that uh, overslept Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. If the band sounds fired up, it's because they are joining us now on the phone. Not only a superstar attorney general from the great state of Arizona, but uh, a noted fashion critic of cable news TV hosts, uh, Mark Burnovich, on the line. What's going on, Versace? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Jimmy, Jimmy, did your mom not ever tell you how to show you how to tie a tie? You stop uh, it, Bernovich. That was a... Oh, uh, come on. Yes, so yesterday, I want two things. I want credit for two things, and everyone needs yeah. to know this, that you'll watch me on TV and send along a note, like, slandering my tie, or maybe, you know, once in a while you're supportive, and that's fine, and I love the tough love. But Saturday night, when I was on with Lawrence Jones, they yes. Fox had the good sense to turn me loose at an open bar for three hours and then put me on live TV. I was like... Yeah. yeah, this could end bad. This could end bad for the champ. But we got through it, man. We got through it. Oh, I mean, I could tell you, I could, I could smell the vodka seeping through my television set just uh, as you were speaking. I was like, dang, man, I thought it was odorless, but apparently not. Uh, when you're <laughs> good for you, and for the record, like a freed hostage, brother. But hey, man, if, good for if you. Anyone deserves it. You do. And look, the the tie thing. I just noted that it was fashionably askew. I got no problem with that. Bill Buckley used to do that. Mm. Um, I used to do that before I learned how to tie a tie. So I mean, I get it. I get the you know. That was my. Uh, Go ahead. Shtick. That was no, no. That was my homage to Joe Biden at the correspondence dinner. Did you see how he had his necktie? It was on upside down. Oh no, <laughs> man, that was so smart. I didn't understand. I will tell you this though, and I did send you this, and I was hoping he would use my joke. Is that um, yeah? Joe Biden walked into the correspondence dinner. He went up to the open bar. He saw this attractive blonde standing there, and he said, "Hey, tell me something. Do I come here often?" Um, <laughs> right, Mark Burnovich, everybody. <laughs> He's got a million of them. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Now he got he muscled through it. They probably shot him up with some good B twelve or something like that, and they yeah. made a night out of it. Uh, there were a couple of cheap, you know, a couple of cheap jokes, but that's to be expected. But I'll just tell you this because I've never been to one of these before. It actually is a group therapy session. Like they all get together in their prom outfits and tell each other how wonderful they are. And this is in the face of a really embarrassing couple of years for the media. You know, when it comes to things they've been caught lying about, and you know, stories they've covered and stories they've refused to cover. Whether we're talking about Hunter Biden or hello, the frickin' border. So here's something I didn't tell you, and I have to tell you this. This is crazy. But it'll tell you everything you need to know about the situation at the border. So Friday night, I'm at a real I'm at a good party Friday night in DC, like a big Hollywood party. And uh, I mean it's 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 that it's that good of like a it's like a wow, I'll remember this type of party. The type of party where there's like so many celebrities that there's a thousand people outside taking pictures of whoever's walking in, just thinking they're gonna meet a celebrity. So it's cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, me and Emily Campagna are over in the 
corner just having a pop and just talking. And it turned into a little bit of a CNN room and that like Jake Tapper was there and Don Lemon was there and Andrea Mitchell was there. And lo and behold, you know, they're all just talking amongst themselves and they were polite and friendly. It wasn't hostile in any way. But freaking Mayorkas, Secretary Mayorkas comes into the room. I'm not making this up and waits in line like a fangirl to meet Don Lemon and loses his mind (laughs) when he meets Don Lemon. But, you know, I'm thinking back to it was funny when he testified Friday. I think it was Ralph Norman from South Carolina who's like, oh, Mayorkas is an ideologue. That's why the border's a mess. Like, if there's any doubt. I mean, I would imagine, you know, loving Don Lemon as much as you do means you probably agree with his border policies, no? Yeah, it, it really is shocking and unfathomable, like, what is going on with the Biden administration. And I used to think that maybe it was, you know, the incompetence or, you know, uh, that Biden really didn't care about the well-being of America, you know, unless you're, you know, unless you're whispering his earpiece, he's not listening to what we're saying. But I, I do think, really, based on everything that's going on with stopping the border wall, stopping the Remain in Mexico policy, us having having to sue him over interim and then permanent guidance, and then now our lawsuit over the asylum stuff. And this is a big story I think people missed last week, is we just filed this lawsuit because the Biden administration wants to allow DHS to grant asylum. So that means your buddy Mayorkas that you're partying there having a few pops with is going to have the ability to have his bureaucrats grant asylum to people. So this is the one-two punch. The Biden administration essentially has opened up the border, record amount of people illegally crossing, literally millions, and now... They want to, you know, secretly grant asylum or amnesty to everyone because they're going to have DHS and the bureaucrats there give asylum. So this is a radical idea. This is the one-two punch, and not a lot of people know about it. And I do think, I do think it is sad, but there are people that are so ideologically driven – They will not be intellectually honest or consistent. And all these proposals now, Mayorkas and DHS are talking about how this ministry of truth or justice or Mm -hmm. propaganda, whatever the heck they're calling it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that literally, that's that's that is B-list totalitarian government crap they're proposing. And where is the media? Where's Don Lemon? All these guys, if Trump were proposing that or Bush or anybody else, they would be losing it. Mm -hmm. But because it's, you know, Uncle Joe Biden and Mayorkas, um, you know, the cue ball, they're all like, oh, it's okay. It's so true. We're talking to Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich, and it was psychotic to me because I'm sitting at that dinner and the banner hanging out over the hanging up over the stage is that we're there to celebrate the first the protection of the First Amendment. I'm like, we're having this celebration the same week. We're now banning speech in the White House. Like, it's psychotic. I said it's like it's like Mardi Gras claiming that they're a celebration of sobriety, you know, which is not exactly the case. It is for 40 days, right? Isn't that the, <laughs> the debauchery? You put it on hold for a certain period. No, I mean, it really, I mean, look, the media is so, and I, and I hate to sound like some broken record or, you know, but really the, the, the mainstream media really is intellectually dishonest. And yes. we always knew they were liberal. I was literally talking to someone about that this morning. I remember as a kid growing up, the old Saturday Night Live, you know, those, those, glory years of, you know, the late 70s when you had still Belushi on there and Aykroyd and, you know, Bill Murray, they, they spoke truth to power. They skewered everybody. No one, you know, Jimmy Carter wasn't sacred. No one, they, they ripped everyone. 
And now, though, you have this kind of systematic left-wing bias where they make fun of Republicans and conservatives, but then they kind of almost do the uh, praise, you know, the lefties mm -hmm. by, you know, making fun of them in a way that actually, yep. you know, compliments them. Oh, absolutely. Know? Well, that's what – honestly, the reason that – we're kicking their ass in the ratings on Gutfeld show is we don't take ourselves yeah. seriously, which gives us more targets to shoot at because we can make fun of ourselves and we can make fun of our own. You see, on their yeah. side of the comedy aisle, they really put themselves in a tough spot because they've banned most of the good targets. It's like if you're not going to make fun of how Joe Biden, who right now is not governing like our 46th president, like he's governing like our last president. Like if this guy did, you know, he wanted to be FDR, he used to say he was going to be FDR. If he did three terms, you actually probably wouldn't have a country when you look at how bad things are trending. But they don't oh, make it, fun it, of that. Yeah, but it, it would be like the weekend of Bernie's thing, right? I mean, that's really what it's getting to. I mean, really, when you think about it, what – um, what, what most of Joe Biden does doesn't meet the standard of rational scrutiny, yet alone constitutional scrutiny with all the stuff they're doing. And so it really – this would be for a comedian, and I'm not a comedian, uh, a, a seemingly a target-rich environment because every day they offer something new. And there's obviously, as you know, Jimmy, you and I have talked about this. There's serious issues. I'm a public school kid. Everyone that's either gone to the grocery store or tried to fill up their car with gas or you know what's going on with crime. In our, in our cities knows, sees firsthand the failures of the Biden administration policies. And, and I mentioned this morning, I was telling someone, I said, look, inflation is getting so high that even Hunter Biden is jealous. Hey, I mean, hey, it, hey hot. I'm not a comedian, oh. but check out my inflation jokes. I love it. You yes. Know. Well, you can feel free to use that on Gutfeld. I feel it. like I'm kind of auditioning to be the fifth guy. Like I could be the fifth Beatle. <laughs> You're the Pete Best of the Gutfeld show. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes, I think that's exactly. I'll be the Richard Star or whatever, yeah, so. Whoa, there it is. Uh, well, I, you know, I, was th I always think about you because we always communicate in music references and everything like that. Does McCartney still have any chops? Like if I went and saw McCartney in a few weeks, like I, let, let me just preface this. I saw him outdoors twice. I saw him at City Field. He was actually outrageously good. And the music is the arrangements are a lot heavier now. They're not using synthesizers. Like in the 80s, he was playing like Muzak versions of the Beatles yeah. songs. They were good at City Field. They were good at Yankee Stadium. But uh, the last time I saw him was the Barclays Center. It was 2014. It was indoors, and he really didn't have his voice left. But you, as a guy who knows music, he hasn't toured in two years. Is there a world where McCartney has the fastball if I show up? I think that every great pitcher, even Nolan Ryan at the end, has the fastball. The question is, is is it for one game? Is it for two games? Mm -hmm. It's probably not, obviously, for an entire season. So yeah. I do not know what the tour schedule looks like, but I have seen McCartney. Obviously, he's a legend, and not just because people refer to me as the Paul McCartney of the <laughs> Arizona political world now that Jerry's gone, right? But like the way I slipped that in there, but the yeah. – um, yeah, and I'm not ta I'm ta talking about the um, silly love song, Paul McCartney. I'm talking the live and let die, Paul McCartney, <laughs> just so we're absolutely clear. I see you more as the Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff of Arizona uh, politics. Oh, oh, we're going back to wrestling. All right. <laughs> I'm dying. But I guess you're... Oh, you, oh, you Hulkamaniacs out there. I'm the guy. No. <laughs> I'm killing me. Every time we talk about wrestling, man, I get people texting me saying, what are you guys doing, man? Listen, we're doing the people's work here. But no, I guess yeah. what you're saying is if 
you're going to see him, see him early in the tour. I was going to say, I think you got to see him early, and I think he's got to limit the tour because obviously the voice goes yeah. the longer the tour goes on. And my goodness, the dude is in his 70s, right? I mean, yeah. it's amazing he's out there touring and all. So no, I just beast. don't know how much, you know, there's yeah. only so much vitamin B12 <laughs> and vitamin E that you can shoot into someone. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, there's only so many times you can do bumps when you're that age, right? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got to be careful because if he loses his marbles, they'll make him president. You know how it works in this country. It's not good. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. Well, uh, listen, Mr. McCartney, I won't hold you up. I know you've got to get back into the studio, but uh, let's catch up soon. Yeah. Well, yeah, look for us getting the band back together, bro. It's going to happen. I'll see you soon. There he goes, the legend Mark Burnovich, telling it like it is. Uh, he is the self-styled Paul McCartney, the Paul McCartney of Arizona politics. <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell them that in the Beatles pantheon, he's more of the Yoko of Arizona politics. I'm kidding. He's a great guy, although I don't always agree with his fashion takes. Uh, but I love talking to him. And the thing, you know, when you cut through all the music references and the shots we take at each other's wardrobes, what he's telling you about the border, okay, is it's so – It's number one, it's true. But number two, it's so unprecedented to be living in a time where there's just such an indifference to how this affects the people. Like they're very upfront about how it affects them. In that they keep telling you over and over and over again, it's it's not a problem. This is a Republican talking point. The border's under control. And in saying that, who are they showing concern for themselves? Because they don't want this to be a political liability for them. But the reality is it's a liability for everybody when you look at the fentanyl, when you look at the people being smuggled into the country, when you look at the women being sexually assaulted. But there's actually like a brazen indifference. We're going to talk about it with Tyrus in the next hour because Biden happens to be losing double-digit support with the black community, which is the most viable and valuable and important voting bloc the Democrats have. But they're walking away from the Democratic Party in large numbers because the party's priorities do not reflect the priorities of the black community. Just like Mayorkas and fangirling over Don Lemon and Biden and allowing this porous border to you know ensue, those are not the priorities of the American people. Like, we've gotten to a place where the people in charge of our country are prioritizing everything but our country. And in doing so, it's becoming very expensive for the taxpaying citizens like you and me. Thanks, big government weenuses. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Okay, first off, I want to thank you guys for coming to this emergency Disney meeting. I just love flying all the way to Colorado to hear about your problems. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that really... It's him. This isn't a joke, Mickey. Parents are really mad at us for protesting this Florida bill. So, uh, I guess we have some issues? <laughs> we need to win parents back over to Disney. That's a cinch. Why don't we just lower the prices? Now, listen, little boy. Mickey, I got it, okay? Look, that's not an option. So what else you got? But hold on, because if we lower the prices... Don't say that! Let me explain this to you one more time. Dude, hey, get off oh, me. Let him go. Mickey, come on, you guys. Stop it. You are a fat diabetic bear. Okay, this meeting is adjourned. All right, now, get out there and make me some damn money. Wow, I don't know what they're doing down at Disney World. Doesn't sound like the mouse is happy. Joe Biden trying to piggyback off of the contentious relationship between Disney World and the Republican Party. 
threw out a pretty lame joke at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I happen to be there in attendance taking notes. If I had to suffer through this one, so do you. Here it is, clip eight. They say it's not your father's Republican Party. Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. Today's Republicans say, tear down Mickey Mouse's house. And pretty soon they'll be storming Cinderella's castle, you can be sure of it. But Republicans <laughs> seem to support one fellow, some guy named Brandon. He's having a really good year, and I'm kind of happy for him. You suck, you jackass. Oh, Biden. The Republicans want to tear down Mickey's house. <laughs> Dude, nobody cares. That's not what they did. In, in voting to revoke Florida's tax exemptions and tax privileges, Florida actually did a pretty smart thing. And they did a favor to a lot of corporations across the country and that they told them, like, yo, stay out of politics. Just shut up. And the reason that's a favor to a lot of these companies is what's the old saying you hear all the time? You know, if you go woke, you go broke. That's what they say. Everything woke turns to That's also what they say. And the reality is nobody's going to Disney World for politics. They're going there for escapism. But a lot of these companies have gotten duped into political activism by a fringe minorities within their ranks who, you know, have learned to weaponize grievance for professional and personal gain. You know, I don't like something in the corporate world is now grounds for promote me, create some special program, protect me, or we can run the CEO out of town. That's what they did to Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney. He didn't fight this bill. The bill came and got passed, and then everybody spoke up, and he basically had to issue an apology that sounded like he was reading at gunpoint. We're going to do more to be an ally, and you know, the don't say gay bill. But that's not what it is. It's not called the don't say gay bill it, textually. It doesn't mention the word gay once in its writing. Yet there they are to this day slandering it as a don't say gay bill. Trevor Noah, during his routine the other night, attacked Ron DeSantis and pretended he was at the dinner. Ron DeSantis wasn't at the dinner, was not there. But Trevor Noah dedicated a good percentage of his monologue to Ron DeSantis and him running in 2024 and him banning gay people in the state of Florida. This is not okay. That's what all the Democrats are saying. Oh, my goodness, they're going to ban gay people. Except they're not banned. Gay people are very welcome in Florida. If you've been to Key West, you know I'm telling you the truth. If you've been to Miami, you've been anywhere. Florida has the third biggest, third highest gay population in America. They're not those people. Okay, But when they tell you they are, again, this is a straw man argument aimed at power, aimed at politics more than anything else. But there are so many things we're going to discuss in the next hour because Tyrus is coming on. He's got a fantastic new book out. It's called Just Tyrus. It's a hell of a good read. And it really chronicles his exploits as a guy that grew up in a pretty troubled home uh, under multiple administrations led a pretty transient life in his career before settling into wrestling stardom and ultimately Fox News stardom. And there is an acquired knowledge that comes from taking that rough road. It's a road I've taken and driven in a taxi, and it's a road that really knows how to articulate, okay, on a very basic level, why the Democrats are losing the black community and the minority community as aggressively as they are. I mean, they are hemorrhaging hemorrhaging voters and we're going to explain why with tyrus because that's what we do when we come back right here on the big bad one and only fox across america 
Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. That is us, the most tolerant and inclusive society on the planet. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not losing support with black voters. The Biden administration, according to some new polling, looking at a double-digit loss amongst black voters. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. But not in as much trouble as the black voters he is failing. We're going to discuss it in this hour with Tyrus, who's, of course, a superstar co-host of the Gutfeld program, Fox News contributor, pro wrestling champion, and he's got a fantastic new book out called Just Tyrus. I just finished reading the whole thing, and I got to tell you, it's a pretty damn good read, but it's also just so very insightful from the standpoint of a guy who has been on, I guess, what you'd consider to be the wrong side of a life trajectory, but is now, you know, universally accepted as being on the right side. The guy's a media star. He's on the highest rated late night TV show in the world. The guy's doing all right for himself. Not that he needs me to fight his battles. He's 6'8", 370 pounds. But the point is Tyrus has a lot of wisdom and perspective that you can only acquire by being a person in our society with their boots on the ground. What I'm saying is, having spent the past weekend in Washington watching the correspondence dinner and hearing how everybody talks to each other in that media bubble of theirs, they have absolutely positively no connection to what you and me prioritize because their priorities are not our priorities. Tell them like it is. Okay, and I'm going to start. I'm going to walk you through some media stuff. Some reaction to Elon Musk buying Twitter, some takes on the border and the rising crime rate. And I'm going to explain to you in this hour why the Democrats are losing black support in the numbers that they are. And just to be clear, okay, they're down with Latino voters. I just want to get this accurate. 26 points. But in the black community, you understand they're upside down now by a little more than 24 points. Okay, since Biden took office, his support, his support with black Americans down 24 points, despite the fact that according to them or according to him anyway, black voters don't even have a choice. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. That's what Biden famously said on the campaign trail before they stopped letting him do Zoom interviews and putting him in a shock collar on the rare day when they did. (laughs) Joe, what do you think about race relations? No comment. Uh, But here's where we start in this hour. And I said this on the Big Saturday show. If you watched me over the weekend, I was on the Big Saturday show and the Big Sunday show. The overarching takeaway for me is the big reason why, the big reason why, okay, the Democrats are losing black support is the same reason why they're losing all support. Just to be clear, inflation's at a 40-year high. That affects everybody regardless of the color of their skin. Goods cost a hell of a whole lot more. Everything costs a hell of a whole lot more, and people tend to vote their wallet. You know, if your wallet's good, you vote for the party in power. If your wallet's bad, you're like, screw you, take a hike. So you start there with inflation. They're losing across the board on inflation. Gasoline is tied to inflation. Gasoline is at an all-time high. It's about 20 cents off an all-time high at this point, but it has set several records in the last two months. That, again, is something that affects all Americans. Diving into the specifics of crime, okay, the murder rate in the black community is up 32% since Black Lives Matter and defund the police got going. Now, that specifically 
is a burden to bear for the black community that is disproportionate to yours or mine uh, if you're a member of another ethnic group. Okay, so he's losing them there, but he's losing all Americans as a whole because the collective national murder rate is up 30 percent under Joe Biden. How do you vote for a guy when you can't afford anything at the store and you might get killed on the way down anyway? It's really hard to make that case. Okay, we've got all kinds of issues in terms of priorities, a border which is porous, which has led to a record high of fentanyl overdose deaths. We're being told by our vice president, Kamala Harris, is the end result of climate change. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. (laughs) But really think about that. The border, which is a now problem, which is flooding our country now, their response was to push their own agenda. Well, we're going to do a study on the root causes of illegal immigration. Yeah, when you're, you have a problem right now, like if you're getting mugged in an alley, you call the cops. The last thing you want the 911 operator to say is, you're in luck. I see you're getting mugged. We're going to conduct a, a study on the root causes of muggings. And they just hang up the phone. You're like, wait, what? But I don't even like know karate. What do you want me to do here? But that's what they're doing. They're not giving you now solutions to now problems. So they're losing the black community by and large for the same reasons they're losing everybody else. Okay, the quality of life has gotten exponentially worse under Joe Biden, exponentially worse in every area. But where they're losing the black community on a superficial level, which, again, is very similar to why they're losing you and me. But it's specific to the black community is this. Okay, the black community as a whole, black people in general. They're the coolest people you're ever going to meet. Black people are inherently cool. They're really, if you think about it, you've at a maximum, at a maximum, you've met like two uncool people in your life. The only two I can even think of are Kamala Harris and Joy Reid. Like, I won't go after Whoopi because she had some good moments before she got on The View. And, you know, listen, with all due respect there, you don't like The View, but it is the highest streaming show in Guantanamo Bay. Okay, they can't waterboard inmates anymore, but they can show them The View. They're like, you confessed! Oh, we're going to make you watch another Joy Reid joke or another, you know, Joy Behar joke anyway. I mean, they're both a joke. But the point is, the view is a disaster. But black people, by and large, are cool. They are not seeking out the drama, the grievance, and the victimhood that white liberal elites are trying to force on them. Okay? They don't want to be the party of cancel people. And they don't want to be the party of demonizing the wealthy. Okay? The black community does not hate rich people. They do not demonize wealth. They aspire to wealth, as every community does. Okay, it's not unique to them, but the black community in pop culture is actually very celebratory of wealth and ambition. That's why there's so many rap songs written about Donald Trump. Every rap song you listen to is about how much money you have, how hot your women are, how cool your private jet is, how nice your clothes are, and that's aspirational. That's why hip-hop is so popular. It's because hip-hop is selling opportunity. It's selling optimism. It's selling ambition. No rapper comes on and gets famous going, yeah, I'm broke, driving a 91 Hyundai, (laughs) got a hamster running under the hood to keep the engine going, and I've got all kinds of sloppy, terrible women. (laughs) That's not what they're doing. They're selling opportunity. They're selling prosperity. That's what people come to America for. That's why the Democrats are losing with Latinos, okay? People don't come to this country to be told they're a victim, to be told they can't get anything done 
without Washington, D.C. holding their hand. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. And everyone knows that but the Democrats because they really are in a bubble. Like, it's a bubble. Like, I know everyone says that on the news. Like, oh, the media doesn't talk to real people. I was at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. They actually they don't know what real people are. They have no idea. They have no idea. No connection to you and what goes on whatsoever. So you'll hear some things out of the media here that are really, like, wildly out of touch with what matters. I'll start, and I hate to do this to you, but I got to play a clip. I have to from Morning Joe. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Here it is. I played this, a little bit of this last week, but he has since added to it. Okay, here is him explaining that the media, and excuse me, that the 2020 election will not be about Joe Biden. It'll be about Republicans. This is clip 37. When you see, and this is really, this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, that 2022 is really going to be a referendum, not on Joe Biden. It's going to be a referendum on the Republican Party and the future of the Republican Party, especially when you look at some of the people uh, that are running in the primary and some of the horrific things that they are saying. You can't handle the truth. Yo, do you really think at a time when the black murder rate is up 32 percent, Inflation's at a 40-year high. Nobody can afford a gallon of gas. And we just broke a record for overdose deaths. That people aren't going to the polls thinking about Joe Biden. Such an idiot. This is pretty much the worst video ever made. I mean, really think about that. Really think. No, no. It's, you know, people don't like Marjorie Taylor Greene. So much so that they're going to go vote on one congressperson who has no power. People don't like Lauren Boebert and her skimpy cocktail dresses she wore to the D.C. parties this weekend. So they're going to go vote based on that. They're going to overlook the inflation, the soaring murder rate, and the fact that they can't afford a gallon of gas should they attempt to drive away from their attacker. It's that bad. you got to ask the mugger if you can borrow 20 bucks for a gallon of gas. Hey, man, I'd really like to turn this into a chase. Can you help a brother out? Like the idea that they think, again— If you're in a bubble, you might genuinely believe that people out in the real world prioritize what you prioritize. That's the curse of the media. Okay, believe me, believe me, as a guy who worked a job for 10 years as a cab driver where I was literally the only white guy, I was called the white guy. Your priorities as a liberal elite do not reflect the priorities of black America. Black America is not concerned about climate change. They're not sitting around looking for a solution to climate change. Like the rest of America, they're sitting around figuring out inflation, figuring out safety, figuring out school choice, which is something the Democrats are denying them. School choice, biggest civil rights uh, issue of of our generation. Okay, black children being forced to stay in failing schools because the Democrats won't stand up to the teachers' unions. And it is disproportionately harming the black community. But there's not going to be a word out of it from the Democrats because their biggest lobbyist group happens to be the teachers unions. But in, you know, again, in a world where their priorities aren't your priorities and they want you to be as, you know, freaked out as they are on the issues they care about. I want to play you this bananas bonkers latest meltdown that we've been doing this for weeks about Elon Musk buying CNN. Here is uh, David Sororik, who is uh, at CNN. Uh, I was talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter anyway. Best thing he could do is buy CNN. They might actually get some ratings out of the deal. Oh, my goodness gracious. They, uh, CNN's a bunch of perverts. They really are. 
I'm gonna never buy a used laptop off a CNN producer, but let's stay on message. Here's David Zurowick, okay, telling you we're heading to hell with uh, billionaires getting involved in our politics. Clip 23. We gave over our, our what amounts to our airwaves or our internet waves to Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. And we are in so much trouble because those guys believe in making money. We've already seen that with the 2016 election mm-hmm. in Zuckerberg when he was taking rubles for ads from Russia and say, oh, I think it's crazy to think they had any influence on this election. Mm-hmm. Musk is the same. Musk doesn't want it. Oh, you know, he's upset with the SEC, tried to, how oh, dare they question him? You know what I'm saying? This is dangerous. We can't think anymore in this country. We don't have people. No, I'm serious. We don't have people in Congress who can make regulations that can make it work. I think we can look to the Western countries in Europe for how they are trying to limit it. But you need, you need controls on this. You need regulation. You cannot let these guys control discourse in this country or we are headed to hell. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. Now, two quick things, really, really quick. Uh, Was he complaining about big tech controlling speech when they kicked Donald Trump off of Twitter? The answer would be no. Any of the other Republicans that got kicked off of Twitter for saying vaccinated people get and spread COVID? The answer would be no. Was he complaining about Mark Zuckerberg when he spent $520 million on Joe Biden's campaign this past election? The answer would be no. These people are total complete and total frauds. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. But here's the bigger reason why the media and Democrats as a whole are losing the support of black Americans. Above all else, getting past the fact that their priorities are not your priorities or not my priorities. Talking about the media. okay, the media, the Democratic Party, they treat people like idiots and people are tired of being infantilized. This whole idea that we have to limit speech on social media because people can't think for themselves because you're just going to read a post, believe it is gospel and go do it. Dude, the most cliched joke on earth ever told in the last 30 years is when someone goes, well, I saw it on the Internet, so it's got to be true (laughs) because we all know the Internet's garbage. Okay, we all know there's lies. We all know to think for ourselves. But again, their worldview is that you can't. They have such a dripping condescension for people who work outside their bubble. Their bubble, which, by the way, is not very diverse for all the tolerance and inclusion they preach. That White House Correspondents' Dinner was like whiter than a Jimmy Buffett concert. Okay, but getting past that for a second, it's why they alienate the black community. It's not even about inclusion. It's because they continue to infantilize them. Oh, you can't get a voter ID. That's voter suppression. You're asking a black person to get a license? They can't do that. Come on, who let Jim Crow into the party? And black people see through the charade. They didn't get out of bed asking for white, rich, elite liberals who would never give them the time of day to fight straw man arguments on behalf of pretend racism. They got out of bed asking for a level playing field. And by and large, we've delivered it for them in this country. I'm not telling you we're perfect, but we're the best. No country has done more to eradicate the sins of its past than ours, a country that hasn't had a single solitary discriminatory racial law on the books since 1964. Okay, we are the most tolerant and inclusive country on the planet. And the reason they are hemorrhaging voters, not just black or white or Hispanic, but everybody in between, is because they're not telling the truth. And every single voter has the same mindset. We're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. 
You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man... You can hang out with him in person this Thursday night. I'm going to be down at the Tampa Improv. That's a 7.30 show. Just a couple of tickets left. Uh, tickets at improvtampa.com. We're going to be hanging out. It's like an Amish rum springer. I'm off the farm. You know when they let the Amish kids go nuts in the real world, try out electricity and strippers and stuff like that, see if they like it, see if they'll get scared back onto the farm? That's what my marriage is. Like every once in a while, Jenny just shoves me out the door with a microphone in my hand to go tell jokes. And it's like my little Amish rum springer. So you'll see me up there in Tampa listening to my Walkman, trying out all kinds of exciting stuff. I might even take my uh, producer out for some strippy dippies. Uh, We'll talk about that after the show. We'll see how it goes. But if you want to come down, it's this Thursday night, May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo, girlfriend, and the ticket's at improvtampa.com. Of course, you're not going to be in Tampa. You want to be upstate New York. I will be at Fat Cats Comedy Club Friday night, June the 3rd, Saturday night, June the 4th. Uh, tickets for both late shows still available. Just a handful. Uh, FatCatsComedyClub.com. That is cats with a Z. And uh, I'd love to have you come hang out. It's the one thing over and over and over again I bring up on the show. It's my proudest achievement is my audience is cool. It's a, such a great crowd to roll with because everybody who shows up is like us, like me. You know, everybody's kind of fun. Nobody's angry. Nobody's starting fights. A lot of you guys are wise asses, though, because every one of you walks up to me and insults me or like, where's your stupid jacket? You know, something like that. But our crowd is amazing. Like, it's my honestly, my greatest achievement is it's it's one thing to do this and be successful and have a big audience being a lot of stations. But to do it and know you're broadcasting exclusively to cool people is amazing because it means you can kind of be proud of the content that you're creating. Uh, so you guys really for that are the wind beneath my wings, but I'm going to go to commercial before I sing Bette Midler. I do enough embarrassing things during three hours of broadcasting without busting out my karaoke game. Tyrus, now there's a guy. I knew a lot about him because I just read his book. There is no mention of his karaoke skills, but we're going to get into everything else, so we might as well get into that too. Uh, The big bad one and only heavyweight champion of cable news, co-host of the Gutfeld Show, joins me in studio to talk about his new book after this on Fox Across America. It's America's Life Coach, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. They're slowing it down with a little Spandau ballet, like I'm at a seventh grade dance. I feel like I'm striking out with Mandy Leonard under the gym bleachers at Wisdom Lane Middle School. Come on, spirits were low then, but they're high now. Because joining us on the show, uh, not only superstar wrestler, superstar co-host of the Gutfeld Show, but you can add a new title uh, to his byline, best-selling author, Tyrus in the house. There it is. Oh, Oh, girl. There it is. We are moving on up so high, in fact, I was just told... We're out of books right now. Yeah, they basically, the, the guy in the factory said, we got no more books. So, Yo, congratulations, yeah, though. Yeah. So Holy hell. It's a, it's a terrible, good problem to have. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like. <sighs> that is unbelievable. Yeah, I, you, you, you could have told me. Uh, it's like one of those things when 
You know when you get an idea to go, like you and I decided we were going to go into business together, like yeah. you and your kids are going to get a lemonade stand or we're yeah. going to sell a lemonade for a dollar. And if we sell to a thousand people, <laughs> since there's, you know, in this neighborhood, there's 10,000 people in this neighborhood, we're going to make a thousand bucks. Yeah. You know, yeah, but they actually have to buy it. That's you the know? thing. That's the thing about having uh, ideas or books or any type of paintings, anytime you put anything out mm-hmm. about yourself, and in my case, topless on a book. <laughs> uh, this, you're, you, you're, you're putting it out there and it can go one or two ways. You know, I just, I'm lucky that, um, it went, it went that way. Cause it could have gone the other way where there's been a lot of, uh, sir, where's your shirt? <laughs> that I'm not reading about anybody who shows up to work without a shirt on. <laughs> well, you did. And it is on the cover. You know, it's funny. Something you talked about early on in the book is about how your tattoos, you know, are a reflection of you and your taste and stuff like that. One of the specific things you said is is specifically big dogs, that you like big dogs. Now, I just bring this up on a personal level. Me and my son Lincoln have this obsession with what we call kickable dogs. You know, when you see like a little dust mop yep. dog, yeah. like, oh, that's a kickable dog. So you're are you, you're drawn to big dogs for that same reason? Uh, I don't know. I know it's a, a weird dog is question. a horrible bad idea. No, you wouldn't yeah. do it. No, 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 I'm not. I don't want to kick any dog. What no, no, I'm but I get is, it. Yeah, because I got, I got yeah. a... Okay. Uh, Yorkie at home that shows how much power I have in my household. But uh, <laughs> you had to get a tattoo to get a big a dog. dog. Yeah, no, I've That's I just always uh, Dobermans and Rottweilers, German Shepherds. Like I always liked the and then Great Danes when I got mm-hmm. into college and stuff. But you know, and I was always called a big dog. It's just something mm-hmm. about the the big dogs. You know, it's just they're just awesome. So yeah, they are. They're getting uh, good presents. Plus, and they don't look that big with me. It kind of like balances out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Me with a <clears throat> me with a Yorkie is like, hey, nice hamster. Like, no, it's a, it's a dog. So that's true. You know, it's and those dogs get to be lap dogs with me. That's you know, which fun. is nice. Oh, that's right. It works out, and you know, we fill up a couch pretty evenly. Once yep. I eventually find a way to get one. So. <laughs> oh, keep working. A couple yeah. more books. A couple yeah. more sellout yeah. books. You'll be right. on your way. Tyrus is in studio. The book is called Just Tyrus. It is a bestseller. Not only is it a bestseller, it is a sellout. Uh, we have more copies on the way. We're going to have more sales to push, more soft cover, more hard cover. It's bananas. Let me just jump around the book because I read it over the weekend and on my way to and from D.C., which was uh, its own experience altogether. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. One of the things you talked about that I thought was really interesting um, is you obviously moved around a lot in your childhood. Oh, yeah. uh, Which I found fascinating. There's a great story about it. Who is it you actually wound up beating up? Is that your stepfather? Yeah, Craig. (laughs) And where? All right, so I read the whole story. And as a a reader, obviously it's a triumph for the reader because the guy has it coming to him. Yeah. But what was the tail of the tape when you finally snapped and beat the guy up? Were you 6'8", 370? Then you were a uh, minor. I know you were a minor, so where were you? I was 16, and uh, ironically during uh, practice we had weigh-ins and and, – and uh, height, okay. height at, at that at the end of that practice that day, we all had to weigh in and stuff. And I think I was uh, I was about two, I think it was about two seventy five, and I was uh, six six and a half. <laughs> but I had realized at that point, yeah, uh, what? Yeah. Like you know, because you don't think about it. I don't think I before the last time I got measured, I think it was in the beginning of ball the year before, and I think I was like six four or something mm-hmm. like that. So I grew. I grew, you know, I had, a, oh no, I was actually like six two, so I grew like almost four inches. The coach was like, "Wow, this kid grew four inches in basically a year." Yeah, you know, and they and uh, they're like, "What are they feeding you at home?" And it's like oh. anger, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we also had to do the two twenty five test, and and uh-huh. I was, I w- didn't have a great bench, I had long arms and yeah. stuff, but whatever happened that summer, you know, I had did it, I did it uh, seventeen times that day, and for a sixteen year old, that's pretty damn good. So yeah. I was. 
feeling it. And I, I walked by the mirror and just kind of noticed, like, oh, I am a lot bigger than I realize I am. And then yeah. that night just so happened that uh, my first kind of girlfriend uh, called to talk to me. And uh. and uh, we had these – I don't know if your household had these ridiculously strict dinner rules. Oh, what were they? It was I mean, like – well, was... We had a landline, so our phone was at the dinner table. Yeah, no, we had um, – ours was on the wall. You yeah, know, yeah, same on the wall? thing, right yeah, next okay, to the dinner yeah. table. And the really long yeah, cord. curly cord. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Walk around the chimney three times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> and uh, But it was like uh, he had to be served first. Mm-hmm. There was no talking at the dinner table. Oh, stop it. Which was murder for yeah. an entertainer like myself. Yeah, well, I had a lot to talk about. My day, <laughs> you know, there was a lot going on in my world that I thought was amazing. And most people were like, yeah, you sat on a bus and made fun of people and took classes. But there was no talking unless he initiated mm-hmm. the conversation. Those were the rules. Okay. And uh, the phone rings, and, and Craig aggressively stands up, like, you know, like, usually it was a, a bill collector. So you would have thought mm-hmm. it not being one, he'd at least be relieved, you know. <laughs> but he's like, all I heard was, hello? Yeah, no, ab- no. You know what time it is, young lady? Oh, no. We eat dinner in this household. This, matter of fact, matter of fact, never call this house again. Oh, no. And he called, he, he said, you, you street slut and hung up the phone. To your girl. Yeah, and I didn't realize that he was talking to her. Oh, wow. I was just kind of like... Who was that? Like, yeah, what's going on? Like, wow, that was, <laughs> that man. a t- teacher calling home? I would hate that to be that person. Yeah, you right. know? And then he, and he turned to me and he goes, you tell your little slut. Oh, no. Don't ever call this house again. Matter of fact, you're, you're not to see her again. What kind of a young lady would call during <laughs> 5 p.m. on an evening oh. night? <laughs> Clearly <laughs> the devil. Yeah, yeah, right? I'm like, and some snapped. I just had it. I mean, it was been a lot. It was coming. We had mm-hmm. some moments before that. I think yeah. the last time that he... Slap me. It didn't quite go the way he wanted to. I didn't move. Oh. I just looked at him. Well, and that then, was the tell. Yeah, and my mother was like, hey, hey, mm-hmm. you know, because <laughs> please don't. You know, don't hit this he guy. He didn't know it was coming. And, uh, but the, the rule was in the house, mm-hmm. nobody eats until his plate is fixed by my mom. That's how it works. I've heard of that. I never yeah, knew that was true. You don't reach for the potatoes or anything really? like that. My brother's sitting there, and he's kind of his head's down at dinner. And I'm sitting there, and I decided I'm going to help myself with some potatoes before oh, wow. the ritual oh, wow. this is so meal good. commences. Uh-huh. So I take a huge scoop of potatoes, right? And as I take it, he's like, excuse me. You know, like, because yeah, yeah. he sits at the head of the table, and I, was, and I just, <sighs> and I put the bowl down, but I, and I threw the potatoes at him and hit him in the face. No! And, <laughs> yes. And at first, when it happened, my mother... And brother giggled a little bit, you yeah. know, because it was like a whole oh, what? My brother was like, "What? What is going? <laughs> what is happening?" And he was just like, "I mean, and it, you know, the three students do the parting of yeah, the thing. Yeah. It was like the parting of the thing." And he was just like, <laughs> and he looks at he looked at my mom, and he was like, "What the? What the hell, man?" And yeah. then he said to me, "I ought to take you outside right now." Mm-hmm. And I just said in a very calm, mm-hmm. "Let's go." And he was like. You understand that I'm going to take you outside. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Uh-huh. And he looked at my mother like I wasn't in the room. Like, you need to talk to your son yeah. and get some sense in him before he gets the beating of his lifetime because I'm not taking it easy on him this time. Uh-huh. <laughs> I heard you. Uh-huh. Let's go. You said you want to step outside. Uh-huh. I would like to step outside. Wow. So I get up, and he was like the whole time. He kept looking. At me, hey, he asked for it. He asked for it. But I could tell in his voice he didn't want to fight. That he was kind of, I think it realized when he was, yeah, as we as we walked, because he had to walk down steps to go out to the patio. Uh-huh. 
as I walked down the steps and opened the sliding glass door, I think at that moment he realized I filled the door. <laughs> I don't think he quite got it because as I stepped out and turned and waited for him to come out, there was a deep breath. And as a child, a young man, yeah. I did not understand, but as a man now oh, who's yeah. been in a few fisticuffs, uh, when a guy takes a big, deep breath, yep, yep, he's yep. hoping he's sucking in strength, courage, and a good escape plan. <laughs> when the guy goes... <laughs> you know, watch any Mike Tyson fight in the in the early '90s. Every guy he fights at the stare down when it's over goes. There's a big deep suck in. So he does that, and then he says to me, and I swear I'm not. I wish I could make this stuff up. Sorry. Yeah. He goes. I just want you to know, I fight dirty, <laughs> as if that was going to change anything at this point. <laughs> and he balled his fist up, and he threw it. And when he threw it, I, again, I just kind of caught it. And, like, smacked it down, and he just – and it was almost like – and when I hit him, mm-hmm. I mean, I pulled it back. We were in California, but I'm pretty sure my elbow was somewhere in Alabama. <laughs> and when I hit him, it was it was one shot. It was really over. It was a cartoon. It but, was like, he was out. His eye was just wow. – I broke his orbital socket. So he was out, but it was so much rage for years of uh-huh. abuse uh-huh. that it was my turn. And previously, the week before, I had spent an entire weekend pulling weeds and building up this rose garden with these pieces, the you know, little grates, the little, like you put them in, the vines grow through them. Uh-huh. They're real annoying, yeah, like yeah, little yeah. nails, and they stick the hell out of it. I had to put all those up. Oh, your fingers hurt. Yeah, he got thrown through those. That's what woke him up. Wow. I threw him through those. And as he was crawling, like trying to get away, but he couldn't, he was discombobulated. Uh-huh. And then it was basically a Christmas story where <laughs> I just... Ralphie beat up the bully. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, Mel Gibson showed up and said, swing away. And I just... <laughs> swing away, Roy. And it was just... And then he stopped defending himself. And he was he was clearly in trouble. And uh-huh. if it was... Honestly, if, and this is where the joke kind of stops, if it wasn't for my brother going, mm-hmm. hey, 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 man, yeah. hey, it's over. You got yeah, him. Yeah. To like, stop, stop. You, you might have killed him. I, I would have probably... But, oh. I, you know, because you go... You kind of go in a blur. It's mm-hmm. like a blur. And then mm-hmm. you hear one voice, and it brings you back. And then I get off him and... In a cl- and my mother was screaming, like, get out of my house, you're, you're a monster, this, that, whatever. <laughs> and I just said, and I had never cussed in front of my mother or anything, and that's mm-hmm. when I said, your husband's the B word. And, you know, in a blaze of glory, as they say, went upstairs and went to pack to leave and realized I had no suitcase. All I had was <laughs> a hefty trash bag. So I started <laughs> loading up my trash bag, and then by the time I got upstairs, there were sirens outside the house, and the sheriff came. And- wow. Sheriff, like I said, the sheriff was a really nice guy. Cause, you, and you were a minor, so you didn't get in trouble. Yeah, because he was like, uh, well, by this, uh, by that time, they were the ambulance had also came, and mm-hmm. he was in a gurney there helping him up, and he had his eye wrapped up, and the, the oh. sheriff was trying to figure out like what actually happened. And I was yeah. at that point, I was pretty nervous because you know I yeah. see the sheriff, so I think I'm in a lot of trouble. But he had said um, in, in the book I talk about, it, he had said, yeah, I, you know, I, I took him outside and. He's the king of the mountain now. <laughs> I just said under my breath, like, you were never governor of a hill. Like, you were nothing. That's a great line of the yeah. book. You're like, you weren't even renting it or something Yeah, I was like, like you're not. You're, no, you're not. Like, you're, you, were, uh. you were tough when everyone was small, and it just took me a few years to figure it out. But then mm-hmm. the sheriff was like, well, because my mother wanted to press charges, and he was mm-hmm. like, well, he's a minor. And yeah. your husband clearly just said that he had started the fight. So, yeah. Well, and wait. then he said, is there a place you can go? And I just said, yeah. That was all I had. Was like, yeah, <laughs> I took. He's like, "Well, go to there." <laughs> and I took. He let me. He stood there long enough for me to like walk down the street with my bag, and then uh, they did whatever, and yeah. you know, the ambulance drove by, and wow. I kind of snickered to myself. And as I turned the corner, the sheriff pulled along, pulled me aside, and I was like, "Oh, here we go." And he was like, "Can I give you a ride?" Yeah. And I was like, "He's." And then he helped me decide 
what friend's house to go and ask. And okay. he says, I'll ask if you can stay there. For oh, that's cool. So the sh- like I said, uh, and he did that for me, and I ended up staying at my friend's house for about six months. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It's one of so many incredible stories. The book is called Just Tyrus. It's on sale everywhere now. In the three minutes we have, I want to lightning round a couple of things. One of the stories you told that I loved was your first time walking out of the curtain of the WWE event. And uh, Horrible. I know. And there's so many similarities between comedy and wrestling is what I deduced is because – it sounds like it's harder to be off stage than it is on. Like once you got out of the curtain, you kind of pulled it together. Yeah. But you let out that horrible Ric Flair whoop or whatever when you yeah, got into the ring. Yeah, real, not the thing to do. <laughs> uh, certain things you don't do. You know, yeah. you, you don't do the Jordan shoulder shrug when you miss uh-huh. a layup and you don't wrestle. You don't go out. <laughs> so, so you're wrestling Scotty too hotty. Yes. At my understanding. Yeah. And he, he tells you to rip off your tank top and throw it at him. And I do it. And then what happens next? I went. Woo! And the crowd was like, "Boo! No, you who? You're not Ric Flair. Like what? Uh, who is you this were idiot? wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then uh, I was supposed to, uh, I was supposed to give him a clothesline to uh-huh. start the heat. You know, that's uh-huh. what we call the heat yeah, when yeah. the bad guy starts taking over. Uh-huh. And uh, I had been trained by Bill Demont, and we were training like monsters down there. We didn't see the light of day. We mm-hmm. were, we were training like. If wrestling doesn't work out, there's a small country we can invade. So <laughs> we were just monsters down there. And uh, when I threw a line, I was told, you throw it. If they don't duck it, it's on them. Yeah. And uh, I threw it. And when I hit him, the, the sound he made was not – I was like, oh. Oh, no. And I just heard, pin me. Because <laughs> he wanted to be done. <laughs> He's done. It's like, <laughs> match is over. I get to the back. Uh, I remember Dean Malenko said to me, who uh, – I love now, but I loved him then. He didn't love me very much, but mm-hmm. he does now. But mm-hmm. he said, if I didn't think you'd assault me, I'd hit you. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh. he has a fused neck. Yeah. I was like, and then Booker T was like, not no more. Like, <laughs> uh, it, was a ho- it was horrible. It was literally uh, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. But you did it. And it's like I, I, I always laugh about comedy and the fact that we have a lot of that same nervous type energy thing. But, it, but once you're doing it, you're yeah. too busy doing it to be nervous, to care. Because people always ask me that about stand-up. Don't you find that to be – is that the same way when you're in the it as, it's, it's like a warm electricity. Mm-hmm. When you want, when you're in the moment, mm-hmm. because it's a, uh, it's a, it's a happy, like you're, you're just in the moment. Yeah. You, like even when people boo you or yell at you, you it's your moment. It's, yeah, yeah. It doesn't and matter. You feed off it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you almost love the booze as much. Now in comedy, you prefer not to have booze. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling, if you're the bad guy. Yeah. But <laughs> the laughs or the anticipation. And then if I, and here's why, here's why comedians eat hecklers up. Mm-hmm. It's not their moment, and yep. they're messing with a guy yep. who's in the middle of his shine. I say this all the time to people. I say, if you're a comic, okay, you don't have to attack a heckler. You have to let him talk. Yeah. Because you prepared to talk in front of 300 people. They didn't. They didn't. And at some point, they're handing you a hell of an opening. Yeah, and you're going to take it. I mean, it's, like, it's mm-hmm. you know, as my son would say, is it like you're Super Saiyan out there? Dad? Yeah, I'm full on Super Saiyan, like when you're performing, when you're out there. The, the problem is right before you go out, there's the butterflies, there's doubt, mm-hmm. there's the questions, is this bit going to work? You know, don't I never look at the crowd. Mm-hmm. I never look because I'll always find someone who's not like, oh, that person's going to hate that jo- or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So no. I never look. I stay. You, you got to own your on space. The curtain, and then once you go out there, it's already over. Once you cross, once you, they, your name's announced and you walk out there, yeah. it, there, it, there, you don't have it's, any time to be afraid anymore. Folks, those, those are the words of a best selling author. You can watch him on Gutfeld tonight. You can buy his book, Just Tyrus. Yo, great hang. I have more questions off the air. We're hitting right. a commercial break. Congratulations, man. Thank you, man. No, for real. I'm really proud of you. We're back after this. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A man available to you on the television tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Myself and Kennedy going to get together and uh, recap the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Uh, I did, of course, do a similar hit this morning on America's Newsroom with Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino. That clip available to you on the Fox Across America Facebook page if you want to see me in the ring with the cable news tag team champs. And a reminder that if you're down in the Florida area this weekend, Thursday night, Tampa Improv, myself headlining the bill. It is Cinco de Mayo. It is going to get rowdy. Uh, But all things considered, great show today. And um, if I did not make it to your messages on Facebook, I will get there tonight. I was literally behind by like 500 messages uh, by the end of the correspondence thing. But I'll get back to all of you. And thank you for checking it out. But the show is over. Uh, Go do something with your lives. I don't really care what. You know the rule on this gig is pretty straightforward. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.